Would you open God's precious holy word to Galatians chapter 6? I'm going to briefly refer back to something we've already covered in Galatians 5, which is verse 22, but then we'll move right to Galatians 6. The working of the true church. For all of those dark ages, the vast portion of what would have been considered the church came under the direction of the Roman Catholic Church. And then the Reformation came. And there was confusion among some in the world of the church because the leaders of the Roman Catholic Church had always imposed rules and traditions, policies, whatever, that really weren't in the scriptures. That's part of what the Reformation was about, just to take the Bible and nothing else. And so certain leaders early in the era of the beginning of the Reformation came together and they had one question to answer so that they could go about among the church leaders in that day with the answer to this question, what is the true church? After a long period of time in their meeting and searching the scriptures, praying, they determined there were at least these three things. Number one, that the true and blessed word of God be preached faithfully without adding to it or subtracting from it. Number two, that the ordinances or, of, or the sacraments, however you want to say it, the ordinances of the church be faithfully administered, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper. And number three, that the church carefully and prayerfully exercise discipline when required. Those three things. Now, if the church spins out of control through the years, it is because most likely the church has not exercised discipline. For example, if you had a false teacher and he wasn't sticking to the Bible, he was throwing this in and that in and other stuff that he would be disciplined. And so you would think, well, you know, the main thing is to preach and teach. Yes, it is, as long as it isn't watered down or added to or taken away from. And so using the word of God itself as a, as a litmus test, one who claimed to preach and teach the word could be put to the test so easily. But it's that third thing that churches 
so often fail in. Discipline. Helping one another walk the path. Walk the walk as surely as we talk the talk. For all that we can do with the spirit who resides in us, we walk a path as best we can of faithfulness to Christ and obedience to his word. And if there is a blatant, rebellious heart among the number, we not only are admonished, we are commanded by the Lord himself to deal with it. There are actually two letters in the New Testament that have to do with church discipline, the first and second Corinthians. In the church at Corinth, there was a man who was committing incest. Paul said, you got to deal with that guy. So they went through the channels and he was excommunicated. But they went too far. This is pretty much the history of the church and discipline. We either go too far or we don't go far enough. So they came down on that guy. Such a heinous sin. And they booted him out of the church. And that was it. They wouldn't let him back in. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians, and you can see within 2 Corinthians, Paul said, well, you went a little too far here. The purpose was not to just grind the guy into powder and cast him into the seven seas. The purpose was for him to come around and confess his sin, forsake his sin, and then you would restore the brother. The restoration part is something they conveniently overlooked. So with all that in mind, let's look at the scripture today, but I'm going to, as I said earlier, reference back to the fifth chapter, something we've already covered, but just to remind ourselves in verse 22 of Galatians 5, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Now to Galatians 6 and verse 1. I want us to extract eight things out of verses 1 through 6 today. And here's the first one. From time to time, a brother, a sister in Christ, someone among the brethren, will commit a trespass, will sin. Here we go. Brothers, if a man should be overcome in some trespass. Now the word up there uh, for trespass, it's a paraptomate. And it means a false step if he messes up. This is, this is not so much a person who just lives to sin. 
It's someone who fell in a trap. The idea behind the word is he fell in a trap. Satan knows how to lay a trap. James references it and he says, lust when it is conceived brings forth sin. Now for conception, there have to be two parts here. And out of our own minds, we, we provide part of it and Satan provides the other part, which is a trap to fall into. The word lust, the word means to have a burning desire. It could be to steal money, to, to take money that's not yours, or it could be to lie. I mean, it could, it's not just a sexual misbehavior. To have this burning desire to commit a sin. Our own, we, that's born out of the mind of a man. And we all have to struggle with something in life that is just a weak spot. Satan observes us. He's very keen. And he figures out where we might fall. And he works very hard to provide the opportunity. So he sets a trap. This is, this is what's described here. A man is walking the path, but there's something about his life that swells into a, uh, a desire to do this and steal money, go where he shouldn't go, say what he shouldn't say. I mean, using the covet, I don't know. Look at the Ten Commandments. And it's something that stays on his mind. Satan works and sets the trap. And this guy makes a false step. Maybe veers off the path a little here. And he falls in a trap that has been set. And it's known by others in the church. Number two, you... The spiritual ones. Now, okay. Am, am I a spiritual person? Well, let's go back to this. Is your life filled with love for the brethren? Are you walking a path that brings you joy and peace? Are you a patient person? Are you kind or are you abrasive? Are you filled with goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Well, you can look at that list and you can sort of check it off. There are nine things there. Check that off in your life. If these are the things that you work for in your life as guided by the Spirit, as taught in the Bible, then you could say you're, you're one of the spiritual ones. Now, if you're the kind of person that says, would you just leave me alone? Don't you have somewhere to be? 
Or you walk around, you know, like an old guy said one time, old preacher, he said, you look like you were, let's see if I remember. You look like you were born on the dark side of the moon and uh, what, weaned on a dill pickle and uh, weaned on a dill pickle and something else. I forget what it was. Um, but what, uh, baptized in vinegar. That was the other one. Well, if that's sort of the way you are and people kind of say, oh, here he comes, you know, you're, you're probably, you probably need to work on your spirituality a little bit. But we all know people who fill these requirements, whose lives come forth with the fruit of the Spirit. So, you spiritual ones. Now, you can't get one guy. Okay, let's go back. You know, okay, here's a guy, and he needs to be restored. But somebody that has never shown any love at all for this person, it's going to be hard for that person to work this person into the place he ought to be. Or if he's unhappy, has no peace, impatient, unkind, abrasive, all those things. It's going to be hard. Well, it's impossible for such a person to work his way into the life of a brother who needs to be restored. So the Holy Spirit of God says, you, the spiritual ones. And here's the next thing. Restore such a person. Restore that person. Mend him. Repair him. Work with him that his previous condition be restored. Now let's keep this in its greater context. Paul is writing to the Galatians because Judaizers have come in teaching the Gentile Christians that they first needed to follow the law of Moses. They needed to do certain things. The males needed to be circumcised. They needed to do certain things in the Jewish law before they could be qualified for Christianity. Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's an awful thing. That's not the gospel. That's another gospel. And so Paul writes to the Galatians to correct that. You're, you're, you're justified by grace through faith in Christ alone plus nothing. That's it. Christ you come to Christ, not Christ plus something you do, just Christ. So those people who were beginning to turn their heads and listen to these Judaizers needed to be restored. Here are the instructions. Restore, mend, repair. Restore to the original condition that person in a spirit of gentleness. That's the fourth thing. Don't be overbearing. Don't take some sort of superior attitude toward the person who is caught in a trespass and needs restoration. You see, you do it in a spirit of gentleness and we saw up here we saw it. Whoop, that's the. That's, no, we're not going there. 
That's a, man, what did I do? Oh, we're going to go swimming. Put me on my yellow slide. I, I slid off my slide. There we go. Gentleness. There it is. In a what? A spirit of gentleness. Then the next thing, number five. You need to consider yourself. Observe yourself. That's a very strong verb in the, in the Greek text. To consider. To consider. Skopon. Uh, we get our word scope. Observe. Observe. Bring the lens in and bring it close to yourself. And look at yourself. Lest you also be tempted. You see, if you're not in a spirit of gentleness, then you'll take an attitude of superiority. And in that attitude, you will think that you are beyond temptation and no one is ever beyond temptation in the church. Nobody. Not a person. Some of us may be tempted in one way, some of us in another way. But we all have these weak spots. And we need to watch ourselves because we are not beyond temptation. We have to walk, as Paul says to another, to another group, walk circumspectly. Walk, always looking around with situational awareness, wherever you are, whenever you are. Always walk, knowing that the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. We have to be careful like this all the time, all the time. So look at yourself because you're not beyond temptation either, lest you also be tempted. Those, and you know, you see it in the lives of church leaders and preachers almost on a regular basis. Someone begins to think of himself more than he ought to think of himself. And he thinks of himself as like King David did in the situation with Bathsheba. Beyond reproach, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm a very good and holy person. Watch yourself. Observe yourself. Examine yourself. If you look close enough, you'll find that you ain't so good either. Right? Lest you also... Be tempted. Number six, bear one another's burdens. Now, I want you to keep the word uh, burdens. Bare, burdens. That's a, that's a rough word. We're going to contrast this word with another word in just a minute. The word here, burden, is something so heavy that it is almost beyond your ability. And if you keep trying to do it yourself, if you keep trying to bear that load yourself, you're going to bust a gut. So the spiritual one needs to come to the one who needs restoration. 
And he needs to get up under that load with his brother so that it's a little easier to bear. And thus you shall fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? It's John 13. Love one another as I have loved you. That's a deep thought. A question we should ever ask ourselves. Do I love others the way that Christ loves me? Put it another way. What if Christ loved me in the same way that I love others? Sheesh. That's, that's tough, isn't it? Thus fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Sermon on the Mount, Christ said, when you're required to go one mile, go two. It was told that in the Roman Empire, marching down those Roman roads that were built so well, by the way, they still exist. Soldiers would be marching and had to carry heavy backpacks and loads. And so it was within Roman law for a Roman soldier to reach out and grab a, a person and bring him in and require him to carry that load for a mile. And Christ is saying of the kingdom citizen, when you get through with that mile, look at that Roman soldier and say, you know what? I want to help you beyond that. I'm going to carry it another mile for you. I'm going to take it the second mile. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. Now, number seven. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, being nothing, <laughs> he deceives himself. But each one tests the work of himself. And then as to himself alone, he will have the ground of boasting and not as to another, for each shall bear his own load. Now there's that different word. I told you I was going to contrast burden. The word load here is a different word. It's an easier word in the Greek text, it's a, it's a task. It's a regular task or service. It's something that's just part of what you do along the way. So you take care of yourself. And then help the one needing restoration with his burden as well. Now look at here. He says, each one tests the work of himself, and then as to himself alone. It's uh, you go back over, bear one another's burdens, and then you come here. Here's how you test your work. Test yourself how you are when you're alone. Sin loves loneliness.
folks will do stuff privately that they would never do in front of other people. So he's talking about those who have an attitude here. If anyone thinks of himself as being something and he's nothing, he deceives himself. So test yourself when you're alone. Then see if you can boast about yourself. When you look at yourself, when you're alone. Sin loves loneliness. So, the one to be restored, his situation requires a relationship with a spiritual one and requires accountability one to the other. The spiritual one can give an account as well. One-on-one discipleship, it's like the iron that sharpens iron. You think you're something and you're nothing? Here's how you test yourself. What do you do when you're by yourself? We were in Key West for nearly four years. And there was this week called Fantasy Fest. Fantasy Fest. A whole bunch of people during Fantasy Fest. I'm, I'm talking adults and, and old, old people. Older than me. And a whole bunch of people, the thing was not to wear any clothes, but have yourself body painted. If Pat was here, she'd probably tell me to shut up. So she and I are in our car. It's the first year there, and we turned on the street, uh, Duval Street, and we were in an ocean of humanity. And we didn't know what we couldn't go back, couldn't go forward. And all these people, what we thought were silly clothes. Just, I'm, I'm sitting there's my window, and here's these. Just. Finally, when you catch the right angle, I said to Pat, you know, Pat? She said, you ain't got no clothes on. <laughs> well, that wasn't a fantasy of mine, I can tell you that. And, and the, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there, there's no fool like an old fool. That's what my grandma used to say, my grandmother Collins. And these people were like old. I could further describe it, but I'm not going to. I'm in church. And we're, we're somewhere between horrified and, and breathless. And I don't know, it's just, you know. I mean, I was, a, I was a cop for 16 years. I, I thought I'd seen everything. There's a lot of stuff I hadn't seen. Finally, a policeman makes his way up in his car, starts flashing his lights. He's making, he said, he was laughing at us. He said, are y'all in the wrong place? I said, yes, sir. 
He said, I'll get you out of here. Come on, follow me. He took us over to Washington Street and we made the end around and went home. <laughs> end around. That's funny. Uh, we made the other route. How's that? <clears throat> we got home and I talked to some. We hadn't been there long. We hadn't been in Key West long. I talked to some of them and said, well, you know, we should have told you. When's a bad time to go to Duval Street? Yeah, you should have. And then one of my deacons said, you know, he was serious. He said, you know, there are senators and federal judges and neuro, world-class neurosurgeon. People come down here for this and they'll cut up and they'll act in a way that they would never dream of acting at home. I marveled at that statement. And I thought of that when I read this passage of scripture. You may think you're good, but you're nothing and you deceive yourself. Here's the test. When you're alone and people can recognize you in those body paint stuff and you couldn't, well, you just really couldn't identify anybody. This is the way people are. If they're not tight in relationships with those who are the spiritual ones. And then testing ourselves. Test yourself when you're alone. And recognize this truth that you have a path to walk. You have a life to live and a service to Christ to render. Bear your own task, service. So that leads into the final thought here. Number eight. Now let the one being taught in the word share all good things with the one teaching. Now that's not the preacher. That's the spiritual one back at the first of the context. One of the spiritual ones Gently praise for you. Gently admonishes you and brings you forward by discipling you in the word. Teaching you what maybe you've never been taught before. Now overcoming and being restored, that person needs to share all the good things to the person who disciples him. Let them rejoice together and their relationship grows in Christ, accountable one to the other. This is what Paul is saying to those Galatians who never accepted the message of the Judaizers. You have brethren who have slipped. Their feet have slipped. They stepped into a trap. But if you're spiritual and the fruit of the spirit comes forth out of your life, then you should restore that one. Restoration. You see, scar tissue is always the strongest. So those who are restored are taught a great lesson and become strong in a way that they were not strong before. Now, this is, this, is in a, this is, in a sense, church discipline. 
This is not where you drag some nasty old sinner and throw him down in the presence of the church and say, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. No. You work for that person's restoration. The third thing that those early reformers said were one of the top three things that would identify a true church. Church discipline. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he came into this world to save sinners. If you're here today without Christ and you sense the call of God to come to Christ, then as you exit this auditorium, some of our deacons and their wives will be in the rooms. You'll see them as you exit. In the rooms right across from the sanctuary. And they stand ready to pray with you. And to tell you how to be a Christian according to the word of God. Maybe you're here and you've been saved. Christ has come into your life and you need to follow the Lord's command to be baptized. They await you and will help you with that. Or maybe you're here and God has laid it on your heart to be a part of this church, of this local fellowship, where hopefully we're growing in the Lord and we're learning more and more about the importance of relationships with each other. If you want to become a part of this body of Christ, they're there for you as well. And they'll give you all the details about that. If the Lord so leads. So let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. For the instruction that you give to us. And now Lord, I pray that uh, you would speak to our hearts. And guide us in the way that pleases you and come along the path that you have designated for us. And use all of this for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.